welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for our first episode of Trainers Talking Truths, the ISSA podcast. We're so excited to have you here with us. We're also really excited to introduce you to our CEO, Andrew Wyant, in this very first episode. We'll talk a lot about our company and what we're all about. It really explains what we do and how we do it. But down the road, we've got some amazing episodes, some amazing guests from all over the fitness industry, from equipment to facility design, nutrition, fitness professionals. So we've got a lot of great information coming your way, guys. But thank you again so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hello, world. Welcome to the ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am your co-host, master trainer and product developer here at ISSA, Jenny Scott, here with my co-host, Dan the Man Duran. What's up, Dan? I am ready to learn and ready to be inspired. Nice. So good to have you with me. Um, we have an amazing guest today who has an amazing story as well. And I actually know our guest pretty darn well. Um, I, I like to sing when I, when I think of him, I will follow you. I followed him from a previous company all the way over here to ISSA because I believe in his message and what he's doing so much. Um, he's full of energy, full of life. One of my favorite things about him. We have ISSA CEO, Andrew Wyant here with us. Hello, Andrew. Well, hello, Jenny. And hello, Dan. It is so great to be here. Absolutely. We are so excited for you to share a little bit of your story. A lot of people know you as the president or the CEO of a lot of these big fitness companies, but we want to learn more about you and where you came from. Um, so I guess I'm just going to dive right on in. Tell our public, tell everyone, Andrew, how did you get to where you are now and where did you start from? Oh gosh, the story takes over 50 years to tell. So I'm going to give you just a really abridged version. What are you um, talking about? You're just a baby. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, when you said that it's fast, I have a fascinating story, I don't think that I have a fascinating story. I mean, I will do my best to share with you the nuggets that, that I've unearthed along the way. But, um, you know, my story is not all that interesting in some ways, but I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you're so modest, too. <laughs> and you're in the right place. <laughs> well, where to begin? So, I, you know, let me tell you how I got into the fitness industry in the first place. Um, so I was uh, an executive and I had spent the better part of 20 years traveling on airplanes, drinking lots of scotch, lots of red wine, eating lots of steaks. Um, and I can look back and those are some really great meals and some great times, but there was no balance in my life. It was all work, all eat, all go, all drink. And, you know, that's life for some people out there in the world, but that's not really living. And so at the time that I turned 40, my daughter was born and I went to see my general practitioner physician. And so I go in there and my physician was this Brazilian woman. And this woman starts talking to me about what I'm going to have to do now in this part of my life. And she starts explaining to me that I'm going to need prostate exams. And I was like, oh, oh, 
easy now. I don't want to hear all about this. And then she <laughs> said, and, uh, you know, and your blood pressure is a relatively high. Uh, and she said, it looks like you're, you know, borderline diabetic. And she said, you know, given your cholesterol from your blood counts, she said, you know, I think I'm going to recommend that you start taking Lipitor. And she gave me this list of things that she wanted me to do. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, like, you're telling me that my health is at risk. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not at risk. It's, you know, it's a long-term thing. You know, your, your diabetes won't set in for a long time and your high blood pressure, you can control that with medication and your cholesterol, we can control that with medication. Uh, that's insane. Like, can't I do something about this? And so I did what I hope everybody out there has the same experience. I went and saw a personal trainer. Nice. And when I went to see a personal trainer, the personal trainer basically said, look, here's what you got to do. Put one foot in front of the other. Start moving. If you can only run a tenth of a mile to get to the end of the block, why don't you just like get to the end of the block and then the next day go maybe two tenths of a mile and the next day, maybe three tenths of a mile. And we started with a very light program. And over the course of the next year, I dropped almost 60 pounds. Wow, eliminated all of those medical conditions. And I was hooked. I was hooked because I felt better than I ever felt in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. I always wonder why more physicians don't say that. Like, let's get you moving, right? That's the number one answer. And that's the start. That's so cool. And how long ago was that, Andrew? That was now 12 years ago. Look at you. And <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And at no time in the last 12 years have I ever gained any significant amount of weight. Um, I probably put on about 10 pounds of muscle over time, but you know, from the time I was at my peak till the bottom, uh, nothing ever changed. And, and what I learned in that process was I learned about this whole idea of this energy balance. And I realized that, you know, I could pretty much eat what I want to eat as long as I was taking care of the balance and so, you know, my own story is probably, you know, personal for me, but the thing that I found was, is that I kept hearing all these things about, you should do this and don't do this. And this is the rule. And that's the rule. And this is the thing. And it all felt very stifling to me. And, and what felt great was, you know, the more I worked out, the more I saw a personal trainer, the more I engaged in it, the more I realized that this could change everybody's life. And what we really needed to do is connect more people to fitness. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that's a big goal for what you have for ISSA, right? Connecting people with fitness. Absolutely. You know, when I think about our country's problems, you, know, you can divide them into categories. We, we talk about div divisions that exist from a political perspective and an economic perspective. You know, you, we look at disparities in our country. And when I think about a lot of these things, I think about, you know, what is our attitude? How do we feel about our, ourselves first? And, and I think that one of the things that's so important to me about fitness is the positive mental attitude that goes along with it. And, and when one engages in fitness and when you can kind of experience that, I think barriers that exist with all kinds of categories they start to break down because you get back to more of humanity and who's a person and how do we create personal connections? And, you know, I don't want to get all sort of philosophical, but I think we're here on earth to be in relationship with others. And so the more that we are, you know, 
prioritize, prioritizing those personal relationships and we are in relationship with others, the more that we're serving others, the better the whole world's going to be, regardless of what your political philosophy is. Absolutely. I'd agree with that. 100%. You know, you, Andrew, you said something really uh, that I keyed in on when you talked about going to the doctor, right? And it was uh, Lipitor and pre-diabetic, uh, cholesterol, weight, so on and so forth. So that can be a why, that can be a quote unquote rock bottom. And I believe that, you know, as coaches, one of the things that we're trained to do as personal trainers, as coaches is to really peel back the onion and understand the underlying why uh, it can, it, it may be, it's, I want to lose 10 pounds, but why, or I want to lose 50 pounds, but why often it's associated things. And I'm not going to put any words in your mouth, but it's associated with things quite outside of what the, uh, the, the extrinsic motivation is, and it's, it's more tied into an intrinsic motivation. So Andrew, what, what was your true why? So, you know, a simple part really for me was that my daughter was born. And so I was 40 years old and my father was 46 when I was born. And I felt like my father was always old. From the time I was little, my dad was an old man and he was old compared to all the other dads. He was just old. And he had raised already three other kids over the space at that point of uh, 22 years of having kids. And so, you know, his energy level wasn't what I saw from other dads. And so I thought to myself, well, when my daughter is 10, I'm gonna be 50. When my daughter is 16, I'm gonna be 56. And so I thought, well, I want to be stronger at 50 than I am at 45 or at 40. I want to have more energy. I want to be able to go longer and stronger. And, and so for me, it was just, there's not a peak, right? There is a continuous process of trying to say, I want to be better than I was yesterday. And I know that I'm aging, right? And, you know, I, I can't stop the aging process, but I can control what I can control. And so that's why, to me, this becomes so important. So the extrinsic motivator for me was to be a dad who can be really involved and engaged. And, you know, the intrinsic motivator was to be able to really serve the world longer because the things I've learned along the way have so much to do with gratitude and service that the more we do that, the more I can put that on the world, the more positivity I can help create. That's awesome. Wait, you're a youngest child. I'm the youngest child. Yes. Are you? Oh, I am. Well, I'm a twin, but I'm younger by two minutes. So yeah, but that explains <laughs> a lot about you. The younger children are a little bit more like boisterous and stuff. Like yes, yes. for people who don't know you, Andrew, I think you're awesome. Like you have so much personality. Like I wish you guys could see the two pictures on the wall behind him. Like take every neon color known to man and like throw it on a canvas. And that's what's behind this man. Um, but you would just have so much energy. And like you said, like you're just trying to keep that energy longer because you have a purpose of serving people. And I think that's amazing. Well, thanks. I, you know, to me, what I learned early on in my, my professional career is that I had a couple of skills that were meaningful and the first skill that I had was the ability to take data, lots of information and make sense of the data. And so you can apply that in all kinds of ways. I could have been an investment banker or a trader. I could have been all kinds of other things to use that data and information. And then the other side is, is I'm fascinated by people's stories. I'm fascinated by psychology. I love how people think. 
And so what I try to do from a professional perspective is combine my love of data and information to how people make decisions and how they think. And so if I can combine those two things in a meaningful way, it, it can really drive a business. And so earlier in my career, I drove lots of businesses that weren't putting more good out in the world and weren't really driving people to, to, to living their best lives. And so in this chapter of my life, you know, my goal is to help people live their best lives and, and, and make better choices for themselves. And so the heart of, of running a personal training company to me, um, and, and when I say personal training, I mean personal training certification, is that we're helping to take people who are passionate about fitness and we're connecting to them to the knowledge, skills, and ability to turn that into their profession. And so if I can take somebody with a passion for fitness, someone who loves to serve others, who loves to get their energy out of seeing other people achieve and other people succeed, then we can enable that. And then I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want them to continue to grow and build in their careers for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. So how do you feel like we as a company are able to really tap into people's why? I know that we have a ton of support for people. So it's not just giving them everything that they need, the tools to get there. That's one thing I love about ISSA is the support that we give to our trainers, our students, people are just getting into this. But how do you feel like you're trying to cultivate helping people figure out their why? So it's a more of a long-term thing for them. We have a lot of work to do to get better. We have a lot of work to do to get better because when I think about how do we connect with people's whys, they're, they're all over the place, right? I mean, people have lots of reasons why. And I think that what we're really trying to do is create the canvas so that you can go paint the picture for you and your why. And so the more that we can make that canvas a really big tent, I mean, my, my analogy is breaking down as I go, but the, the tent's made of canvas, just go with me. <laughs> so as long as we can keep making this tent bigger, then what we can do is bring more people in who have that passion. So the way we connect to people's why to really hone in on your, on your question is that we allow you to discover it for yourself. And the way that we do that is it may be around uh, your own personal journey and sharing your experience to have others experience what you did. It may be your accomplishments as an athlete, you know, someone like you, who's a really accomplished athlete on your own and has continued to take that, that drive and that competitiveness and share it with other young people, you know, whether it's, you know, teaching them and training them and lifting them up through volleyball or, you know, through their own physical fitness or whatever their sport may be. So, you know, it, I'm I'm not one to really try to drive their why. It's more for me to try to help amplify their why and give them the canvas and the way in which that they can express it. So cool. You're giving them the mountaintop to shout it from. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that one. (laughs) So question for you, Andrew, is as we we talk through, you know, how do we help more people? How do we, I'm just going to call it the way I see it. How do we save more lives? Um, how do we make an impact? How do we give back? You know, we have all, all these, these, these things that we need to do as individuals, as a society. And what we focus on here at ISSA is doing that through health and fitness and our main staple being a certification program. 
However, I think we've, we've all kind of been taken aside over the last year, 14 months uh, with the industry and, and, and population in general, having dealt with the COVID pandemic. Not an uncommon question every single year is where do you see the industry next year? However, I think this year it's become a very, very big question because our listeners, our, our members, our future lifesavers are wondering, you know, where are we going from here? Where's the industry headed? And being that you're, you know, right there at the top of this interacting with so many different people who have uh, great insight, what would your feedback be when asked that question? Where do you see the fitness industry in 2021 and beyond? Um, I love that question. I wouldn't say that I'm at the top of it, but I can tell you that I see enough information to give really there, there are three components for what I see in the future. The first is the most hopeful, which is the hopeful one is that people who have comorbidities that are affected by COVID and other diseases, that they will look at themselves and now have that new motivation to, to change their life and maybe save their life. And so if you suffer from you know, obesity or you have high blood pressure, hypertension, you have, you have uh, you know, challenges that can be changed with diet and exercise. And that's not everybody and that's not every situation. But for those who can, knowing that you could actually help your life by making that change, I think that you're going to see a lot more people as they're comfortable from COVID. Because remember, that same person is not likely to go out into the gym today because they're still not comfortable yet. Yeah. Second group is the gyms need trainers more than they've ever needed them in my life. I say that full stop because what's happened is this. If you owned a gym and you had 100 members before COVID, of the 100 members, 20 of your 100 members were showing up. 80 of the members were just paying the bill and they weren't showing up at the gym. And that was good for your economics of the gym, but it's not good for everybody's health because those 80 people were not getting the kind of uh, exercise that they needed. When gyms reopened out of that hundred, maybe 40 came back. So now the gym is packed, right? The people who are going, who are members are going to the gym and they're showing up and they're in there and the gyms are packed. But you know what? The total membership went from 100 to 40. And instead of the 20 people showing up, now you got 40 people showing up. So the gyms are packed, the parking lot's full. And so how does a gym survive? How does a gym make money? Well, the best way that a gym can create stickiness with their members and the best way that a gym can generate more revenue is to drive more personal training. And the people who are coming to the gym are more than ever interested in training. So the Absolutely. gyms need to hire more trainers. So it's actually in the financial best interest of the gym. It's in the interest of the members for their health. And it's in the interest of the personal trainers because there are more jobs. So that creates an interesting dynamic. And there was a sub point there, which is when COVID happened, a lot of personal trainers left their gym and connected with their clients directly and started seeing their clients outside of the gym so that when the gyms reopened, not all the personal trainers went back. Some didn't go back because they had their clients. Some went, didn't go back because they were still concerned about COVID and some didn't go back because they found other careers. So we need more personal trainers. So get your friends, tell, go to the mountaintop, tell it from the mountaintop. We need more personal trainers. <laughs> 
And the last one about what I see going forward is um, connected apps, uh, wearables, uh, home devices. I saw recently that almost a billion dollars has been raised for home exercise technology equipment in this past year. And I'm talking about the things like the mirror and tonal and, and on and on where they're really large technology uh, kind of almost like subscription models where you have some degree of exercise and equipment at home and it's monitoring you, it's watching you, it's engaging with you. And, and that stuff's all very interesting. I think that's got a role to play, but nothing ever changes having a personal connection and having accountability to your trainer. And so I can blow off my app on my phone that's reminding me that I haven't been breathing, or I can blow off the app that reminds me that I'm, I'm behind three days of my Italian lessons, right? I don't have to, that's not a real person. I don't have to engage with them. But when there's a human being on the other side of that thing and you have a personal connection, you got to show up for that appointment. You got to be there for the workout. And so if you really want to get good results and you really want to be successful, then it's really best to be with that personal trainer that rather than go out and spend a couple thousand dollars on a piece of equipment. Absolutely. I've lost a client or two recently to like the Peloton, which it's a great app, great services, but, and I'm like the best kind of exercise is the kind that you'll do. Right. So I told her, go ahead, go do it. Um, but the moment you stop doing it, you need to call me back. Cause like, yeah, I know eventually you're going to lose interest or things are going to get quote, quote, too busy. So you're absolutely right. There's that, there's definitely a value in that personal connection. Plus what if you get hurt? What if you're not seeing results? What if the workouts aren't right for you, but you're just doing them because it looks cool or because all your friends are on there and you're trying to beat them. One of my physician clients does that. I still see him twice a week, but he still competes with his, his staff twice a week on the bike. And I'm like, one day you're going to get hurt and then you're going to call me. <laughs> You know, Absolutely. yeah, so there's, there's a lot to it, but I think Andrew, the biggest takeaway from what you just said to me is that overall, if you have 40 people come back to a gym that used to have a hundred members, how many people are in that town in whole? Are there four or 5,000 people? How many people are still not getting engaged, right? right? How many people are still out there that need help that don't know where to go? Don't know who to turn to. don't know what questions to ask. Um, and their physician isn't telling them, Hey, you need to go find somebody and work out. They're just saying, Hey, I'll give you some medication, right? Cause physicians don't make money. If you lose weight and don't need the medication. Exactly. Exactly. And they, they don't make money. And you know, the other piece of that is that when you think about, um, I'm not ever suggesting that a physician wants anything other than good care for their, their patients. hundred percent. I wouldn't say that at all. But what I would tell you is that the drug companies really don't necessarily want to cure you of anything. What they really want to do is maintain whatever your status is because there's a much greater lifetime value in you continuing to live and buying the drug over and over again than actually solving the underlying root cause. And so yeah. the incentives are all, all opposite. And so that's, that's a problem for all of us, but we individuals get to choose. We get to choose what we ingest into our body. We get to choose what we expend in terms of our exercise and our activity. And that choice is our power. And so people who think of themselves as a victim of blank, right? They're not thinking about themselves as being 
powerful and being able to choose and being able to choose their thoughts and being able to choose their direction. And there is nothing about fitness that is exclusionary. There's nothing about fitness that keeps someone based on their location or their socioeconomic situation or whatever it might be from exercise. If you can walk or you can do a push up, or you can get up, you can do the exercises. Well, is it better to have that personal trainer? Of course, but it's best to do the, what you just said, Jenny, a minute ago, the best exercise is the one you do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always tell my athletes, I work with athletes who are completely able-bodied, perfectly able to do things and they don't, or they whine through it. And you know what my response to them is? My dad has MS and he's in a wheelchair. And if he could do this, you don't, but you better believe he absolutely would every day of his life. He would, but he can't, there's people out there that can't. So as long as you can move, like, I'm so happy to hear that you're, you're in the best shape of your life. You know, you're, of course you're getting older every day, but you're getting better every day. You're like a fine wine, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Coming at you with a rapid review for the personal training course. Jonathan from Michigan says the videos along with the online textbook made the process of obtaining my certification very smooth. The videos were extremely informative and helped immensely to prepare me for the quizzes. Thanks, Jonathan. A lot of mic drop moments here. Uh, Every time, you know, I want to drop it, but then you wouldn't hear me. But a lot of profound information uh, coming across right now. And, 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 you know, in, in the interest of time and kind of wrapping things up, there are so many questions that I want to ask Andrew. Uh, but for, for, for the listener out there, what, what I want them to see is kind of a rapid fire question. Okay. Something that, that Andrew's not, not necessarily prepared for maybe, but I have got to know him myself. And I think you're going to find this a very, very interesting answer. So here's the rapid fire question, Andrew. As you know, <laughs> because you wrote it, at ISSA, we prioritize personal connection by serving others, providing exceptional service, and building solid relationships. How do you personally prioritize personal connection? That's a great question. And, you know, I would say if I look deeply, I know I can do more. So I think the starting point is I could do more to prioritize personal connections. And so I'll go from small to large. Um, Y'all can't see it, but I have next to me uh, a set of note cards and each note card has on it a statement, like a, a, a quote or something on there where I could go through and it'll be all these different little note cards. And so I tear them out um, and I write a note on the back of it and I give it to people who are close to me. Uh, and, and each one is a different statement, a different quote. And so then when people join ISSA, one of the things that I try to do is learn something about them, know something about them, and then send them a personal note. Um, You know, I think sending a handwritten note to someone is a really powerful and meaningful thing. And I probably should do it a lot more than I do. But, you know, I try to do it at least once a year. And sometimes I'll do it more frequently than that for everybody. And so now we have nearly 150 people. So it's, it gets to be a lot. Um, but, but that's a, that's another way. And then I think that one of the things that to me is important is seeing people like see you, I hear you, I value you. 
And so we do things, uh, we have a thing called ISSA Strong in a Slack channel. And so I read every review that comes in from every student. And so most of that attention gets paid to the sales team as opposed to the folks who are uh, you know, doing the success coach work and actually working with the, the, uh, the student. But I try really hard to make sure that we're recognizing them. And so if I had a piece of advice for someone out there who was thinking about you know, how could you really live out prioritizing personal connections, see people, hear them, value them. And then you can exhibit that by noticing something that they do or something that they say and recognizing it. And, and you might think it's nothing to people, but I know that, you know, I have seen people's desks where uh, a year later, I've seen a note that I wrote that somebody's got. And I think to myself, it makes me want to cry. It makes me want to cry that that was meaningful, that somebody understood that, uh, that I cared. So there you go. Yeah. So well, it, on that note, I have a drawer like that and I just reached over to it and I have a handful of notes from people, uh, one of which I ended up hiring because he sent me a note. I, I have the note from you and Kelly. You don't throw these things away. You just don't. Um, it's not the same as a birthday card or right. a Christmas card that we, you know, sometimes feel uh, like that we have to send. These actually mean something. And, I'm, and for, the, for, for our listeners out there, I'm going to presume that the majority of you are either aspiring to be coaches and personal trainers, or you are coaches and personal trainers. And I would challenge you to do exactly what Andrew just said. And for every person that you connect with, every person you do a demo with, every new client that comes on board, every client who has a birthday, an anniversary, every client that moves on, send them a handwritten card. It's gold. That was, that was brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely. Yeah. But the key, the thing that brings it all together, and I know this because I, I know Andrew pretty well, is you listen. Um, sometimes when you, when he says he takes feedback from people, you guys, like he will take, he reads every single trust pilot review, good, bad, or ugly. Every single like email that we get from a student that needs a, like further assistance, he's in it. And so I just imagine him like getting like all balled up. Like he's doing about to do some kickboxing, like the full headgear and everything. And then he sits down. He's like, all right, let me go. Let's see it. Okay. Right. He takes it all good, bad, or ugly. And he does the same thing with the employees. So I love the fact that we extend that to our students. We want to know good, bad, or ugly. What are you feeling? So we can respond to it. And that's why this company is so agile and performing the way that it is because we're creating things that people want. Why? Because we listen. Right. And it starts from the top. So I appreciate your, your leadership, Andrew, and you're doing big things in this industry. I I'm so embarrassed hearing all this, but I appreciate <laughs> the sentiment because, uh, you know, I think if we all do that, if we just do our best and we try and listen, you know, we're not going to succeed every time. We screw up all the time. And how, what we do to recover from that, how we get up from that punch in the nose or that gut check is, is what makes the big difference is, is that can you hear it, absorb it, and then say, well, wait, you know what? I probably need to make a little change. I probably need to do something a little bit differently. I didn't like hearing it, but you know, we, we can do better. Um, I love a quote from, uh, from Oprah, which was, when you know better, you can do better. And, and it's kind of like, well, once you listen, then you know how you can do better. And once you know how you can do better, you gotta, you can't just, you can't just yeah. wait. You gotta do better. Gross negligence if you don't, right? <laughs> exactly. 
Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Andrew. I am very sure that we're going to have you back on our podcast at some point in the future. So keep your ears open, people. Thank you so much for letting me be here. And I really enjoyed the time with you all. Thank you. Absolutely. Dan, any last words for our our public? You know, I'm, I'm usually trying to come up with something witty or something uh, uh, memorable, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. Just rewind. Rewind. Uh, you heard it already from Andrew. Uh, and that's my closing comment. Just rewind. There you go. There you go. And you guys heard it here first. In closing, guys, we will let you go back to your lives, go change lives out there um, and, and let us know how we can help. But to our public, I leave you and I tell you to make good choices because Andrew said so. That's why <laughs> we'll be talking to you guys soon. Yeah.